Okay, we're starting here on the bottom of Kufchav Hayim Bed, but the two dots. Gemara here is going to discuss the latter half of the Mishnah, which is Pekaka Chalom. In Pekaka Chalom, we saw a machloket between Rabbi Eliezer and the Chachamim. Rabbi Eliezer says the only way that you can put in the window, the shutter of the window, is if it's Kashur Vitalui. It's both tied and hanging. Because Rabbi Eliezer is Choshesh for what we call you're adding on to something. You're adding something to the building. And it looks like you're building on Shabbat. So how do we prevent that? We have the shutter be tied and hanging. So you're not taking a piece of wood from the building materials. You're not taking something that looks like you're bringing from the outside and putting it into the window. But it's something that's always present. Something that hangs. Something that is right near the window. So it's obvious that you're putting back the shutter and not adding to the building. That's the position of Rabbi Eliezer. The other hand, the Chachamim say, Ben whether this or that, you can close it. Question is, what is the position of the Chachamim, which is what we're about to discuss. Just as a little bit background, because it's going to come up a lot today, there are three categories that we have to keep in mind here. There's what we call Kashur Vitalui, being tied and hanging. There's a second category called Kashur Vilotalui. It's tied, but it's laying on the ground or touching the ground. And there's a third category called murach, which means enu kashur ve'enu talui. Those are the three categories, and they're going to come up a number of times in the positions that we're going to see. Well, kashur means it's tied to the building, and talui means it's hanging, it's not touching the ground. What is it meant by Ben Kach Ben Kach of the Chachamim? So I'm Rabbi Abba, I'm Rabbi Kana. Ben Kashur, Ben She'enu Kashur, Vehu Shemitukan. It doesn't matter if it's tied or not tied, as long as it's mitukan. Now mitukan, as Rashi says, is Muchan Mietmolikach. That it's not a problem of Mukse, you're Miyachid the object. And therefore, it doesn't have a din of Isur Tiltu. As Tosafot notes, Rabbeinu Tam says, when we say here that it's mitukan, we mean not being through a maise, but simply b'machshavo. You have in mind to use it, that's enough to make it mukhan. So what Rabbi Ava Barghana says is that the Chachamim believe that even if it's not tied and it's not hanging, you can still use it. As long as it's not an object of muksa, then you can use it to close up the window. So they're at the opposite extreme from Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Eliezer is going to require both tied and hanging. And the Chachamim are going to require neither. So I'm really Rabbi Yirmiya. Rabbi Yirmiya says, why did you jump to that extreme? Why don't you say this? Why don't you put the Chachamim's position in that middle category where it's tied. It just doesn't matter if it's hanging or if it's on the ground. The Chachamim would agree with Rabbi Lezer you need it to be tied. But they will disagree on the fact that ben kach ben kach will mean ben talui, ben she'enu talui, which means whether it's hanging or not hanging, then it will be mutar to use it. But they will agree that if it's munach, if it's not tied and not hanging, that that you could not use. So that's Rabbi Yirmiya's question that he poses to Rabbi Abba's explanation of the Chachamim. And then he brings a proof to his position. The Amar Rabba Barchana, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Kemachloket Khan, Kach Machloket Ben Nagar HaNigrar. The machloket that we have here in Pekak Chalon is mirrored in a machloket that we find in the Mishnah of Nagar HaNigrar. Now, a Nagar is a bolt that we've actually bumped into before, the Nagar, but there are two opinions as to exactly what a Nagar is. One opinion is that a Nagar is a bolt at the base of the door. It's a pin that you would 
press down on that would bolt the door by pushing that pin down into the ground. And that's how it locks. That's one opinion about what a nagar is. The other opinion of what a nagar is is that it's a cross beam. It's a locking mechanism that works by barricading the door. So one of those two, both of them are long pins. The question is, is it a pin that goes into the ground to make the bolting or is it a pin that goes across the door to stop the door from being opened? That's nagar. Hanigrar means that it's dragged on the ground. So that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about a nagar hanigrar. It's on the ground somehow. So in that, we have noalim boba migdash. One is allowed to use such locking mechanism in the migdash. Avalov b'medina. But not outside of the migdash. Vamunach. If it's not attached at all, kan vikan asur. In both places it is asur. Now just in terms of the mikdash, we know that there's a principle in shvut ba mikdash, that we don't generally have yisurei devarabanan that apply in the mikdash. Tosafot, back on kufchav gimel amudbet, mentions that this is not an absolute rule. There are certain times when there are shvutim ba mikdash, and so it's not absolute, but it's a general principle that has exceptions. And that's what we noted back then on Kufchav Gimel Bet, that that was one of the exceptions. Here, it's not one of the exceptions. And here, ain't shvut ba mikdash, means that if it's an isu de Rabbanan, we would wave it in the mikdash. So what the Tanakhama here says is that this type of locking mechanism cannot be used outside of the mikdash, because there's an isu de Rabbanan, but it may be used in the mikdash because we wave the isu de Rabbanan. But munach, if it's laying on the ground, can it's asur in both places. I'll come back and explain this in one second. Rabbi Yudomer, Hamunach. If it's lying on the ground, then b'migdash, then you can use it in the migdash. Vanigrar, if it's dragged on the ground, then even b'midina. You can use it even outside of the migdash. And now we have a brighta that helps us to understand what this nigrar is. So far, all we explained was nagar, which is the bolt. And then we said nigrar means dragging on the ground. What does it mean that it's dragging on the ground? So now we have a brighta that helps us to understand what is meant by nagar nigrar in the Mishnah, which is ezu nagar hanigrar. What is called a lock or a bolt that's dragging on the ground? That you're allowed to use in the Mikdash and not outside the Mikdash. It's tied, it's hanging, but there's a little exception to that. But its head reaches the ground. Rashi claims that means that one end of it is on the ground. Like over here, in this picture, you can see that it's tied. It's hanging, but one end of it is touching the ground. That's the way Rashi learns. On the other hand, Tosafot over here brings from the Rashba, and there are others that believe that means literally that it's laying on the ground. It's tied, it's hanging, but it lays completely on the ground. So those are the two possibilities. Now, this would be the middle category of what we spoke about before. Before we spoke about three categories. Kashur v'talui, kashur ve'eno talui, and then munach. So this category, that would be that middle category, which is kashur ve'eno talui. Even though the brighter describes it as talui, it's not really talui because we know Rosho Magia la'aretz. So according to Rashi, that means one end is on the ground, according to others means both ends on the ground. So it's a case of really kashur ve'eno talui that we've seen until now. In that instance, the Tanakhama says, that that is mutarba migdash, but asur medina. That means that there's an iser derabanan that applies to that in the medina, outside of the migdash. That iser derabanan is waved when you are inside the migdash. Then along comes Rabbi Yehuda, we saw before in the Mishnah, now in the Brayta, and explains, ze'af medina mutar. That, even in the medina, is mutar. Ela ezehu medina asur. What is asur medina? Kosheinu lo kashur. Vilo talui. That is something that's not tied and not hanging. 
That means it's munach. You take it out and you place it down. Here it's a free-floating bolt. Just a free-floating bolt that has no string on it. And you put it into the ground, you take it out. That's munach. That outside of the Mikdash would be a sewer, but in the Mikdash would be mutar because you'd wave the isur de Rabbanan. So now, if you have this, and we put these two together, we take the Mishnah of Nagar Negrar and our Mishnah of Hakaka Chalon, and we line up the Shittot, what do we see? From Rabbi Shum Baba, Mishmedulu, Mantana Nagar Negrar. Who is the Tanakama here in Nagar Negrar? Rabbi Eliezer, he. It's Rabbi Eliezer, who is Rabbi Eliezer of our Mishnah of Hakaka So there are a couple of things to note. First of all, what is the problem here with Nagar Negrar? What Isur are you in violation of? So we knew by Pokakim that Rabbi Eliezer was Hoshish for Mefsek Binyan. It looks like that you're building when you add it on. Here, when you place the lock in, what Isur Banan are you in violation of? So this happens to be a big Mahlogad Rashi over here says, in the case where it's Munach, in the case where it's not attached at all, the Tanakhama says that that's both a Sur, B'migdash, and B'midina. Why is it a Sur, B'migdash, and Medina? Rashi claims it's a Sur in both places because it's Binyan Gomor, Binyan Deoraita. When you take that peg and you put it into the bolt, and you leave it there, that's binyan Oraita, and that's why it's a sur in the Mikdash. We're waving Yisurei Darbanan. So it must be in a case of Munach that the Tanakhama believes that you're now in violation of an Yisur Doraita of Binyan. That's what Rashi claims. Rabbeinu Tam says that he doesn't think that's right. He says, how can you call that binyan Oraita? says, maybe Rashi means because you're mevatal it in the spot, you're not planning on taking it out again. It looks like binyan. But there are two requirements to be in violation of Binyan. One is koshu, you have to do some sort of tikkun. And number two is it has to be permanent, something that you're going to leave there, an action that has duration to it. Over here, you're right. You did something by putting the bolt there to hold the door. But that's not a permanent action. You can take it out again. You can put it back in. That's not called Binyan. And so Rabbeinu Tam doesn't like the definition of Binyan. And he says that the whole issue by Nagara Gagara is simply Muksa. It's a problem of Tiltul. Muksa. He says, ah, oh, what about Bukaka Chalom? He says that Bukaka Chalom has both issues. Bukaka Chalom, Rabbi Lezer, has two issues. He has one issue, which is Mechzeik Binyan. And number two is that there's Muksa. So those arguing about both issues, the Chamim ignore both. The Chamim say it's not Muksa. And it's not Mechzeik. And they argue on the both issues. Nagar and Nagar is only bringing one of those two issues. That's the problem of Muksa. And they're comparing Nagar and Nagar to our Mishnah in the context of Muksa. Which is, is it Asur B'tiltul or not Asur B'tiltul? So that's the way the Rabbeinu Tam learns the Machloketir between the Tanakhama and the Rabbi Yehuda. So now, if we lay out their Shitot, the Tanakhama here says, If it's Munach, if it's left on the ground, Asur, you may not use it, not in the Medina, not in the Mikdash. Rashi claims because it's an Isu Doraita of Binyan. Tosafot claims that's a it's the usher because it's tilted. It's not considered to be muchan in order to use it as a bolt because you didn't do any preparatory actions for it. Then the Tanakhama says, if it's kashur ve'ena talui, it's tied and it's not hanging because roshoma gialaretz. So in that case, that's the middle scenario. Tanakhama says, asur medina. That's still a sur outside of the Mikdash because we have an Easter de Rabbanan. But in the Mikdash, that is mutar because we wave the shvut. In the case where it's kashur v'taloi, he says, Mutar in the Mikdash, Mutar in the Medina. So if you look at the Tanakhama, he basically sets up exactly like Rabbi Eliezer by Bukata Chalom. They have identical shitot, which is that when it's tied and hanging, Mutar, tied, not hanging, Asur. On the ground, Asur. That makes them identical. Rabbi Yehuda, on the other hand, believes that where is it that you have an Isur de Rabbanan that's waved in the Mikdash? That's by Munach. When it's laying on the ground. When it's laying on the ground, then in the Mikdash it's mutar to use. In the Medina it's a sort to use. But if it's kashur ve'enu talui or kashur vitalui, in both those instances he would say 
Mutar. He would say that's fine to use both in Medina and Mikdash. So based on that, Rabbi Huda would parallel the Shita of the Chachamim. Now, if Rabbi Huda parallels the Shita of the Chachamim, what do we see about the Shita of the Chachamim? Now he says, Kashur v'taloi mutar, Kashur v'enutuloi mutar, Munach asur. So that is like Rabbi Yirmiya just said. That where do the Chachamim say that it's mutar? Only when it's kashur. They do not say it's mutar when it's totally detached. The only thing we say that it's mutar when it's totally detached is in the Mikdash because they wave the Yisra the Rabbanan. But outside of the Mikdash, that would be Asur. And that's Rabbi Yirmiya's proof that when the Chachamim say Ben Kach and Ben Kach in our Mishnah, they mean Kashur. And the Ben Kach, Ben Kach means whether it's Taloi or Eno Taloi. But at a minimum has to be Kashur. And that's why Rabbi Yirmiya brings Nagarni Gura as a proof to the fact that the Chachamim in our Mishnah believe that it has to be a minimum Kashur. So what does Rabbi Ava Barkana say to that? He says, Ana, Amrlei, Ana, Damriki, Ay, Tana. I hold like this Tana. Meaning that we have another Machloket Tanaim. And in this Machloket Tanaim, there we see the sheet of the Chachamim paralleling what Rabbi Ava Amr of Ghana says. And that is, the Tanya, we have a Tosefta. Kane, Shitkinu, Balabait, Yot, Poteach, Elbow. He has a stick or a staff, some sort of peg that he now prepares to use to be opening and closing. Again, the word Hitkinu over here means he's Mino. He prepared it. He prepared it again simply through Machshava. We'll see that in the upcoming Gemara. That it was done through Machshava. So as long as it's not considered Muksa because you had in mind to use it, then you can use it. When is that true? Bismanche Kashur Vitaloi. If it's Kashur Vitaloi Bapetach, if it's tied and hanging on the door, Puteach Vinoelbo, then you can use it. Ain Kashur Vitaloi, if it doesn't have either of those, Eno Puteach Vinoelbo. Once again, the Tanakama here sounds like the Tanakama from Nagar and Igrar. Sounds like Rabbi Eliezer and our Mishnah, which is in order to be mutar, you need kashur v'taloi. You need to be tied and hanging. Anything besides that, a sword to use. That means even kashur v'enataloi or monach, both of those will be a sword to use. We have someone who argues on him, who is Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel, Omer mitukan, achopish eno kashur. All it has to be is prepared. You have to have makshava that you're going to use it, even if it's not tied. So now we have the other opinion, which is, Rabbi Shimon Gamaliel says, Kashur v'taloi mutar. Kashur v'enu taloi mutar. Enu kashur v'enu taloi mutar. He says it's mutar across the board. So again here, if you have a Tanakama, who sounds like the Tanakama of Nagar Nugra, who sounds like Rabbi Eliezer of our Mishnah, and then we have someone who argues on that Tanakama. Who is the one who argues on the Tanakama parallel to the Chachamim in our Mishnah? And here, Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, if he's parallel to the Chachamim in our Mishnah, you see, Rabbi Shimon Gamliel does not require Kashur. He says Munach, even if it's laying on the ground, that is Mutar. And that's similar to what Rabbi Abba Baravgano said. But the position of the Chachamim is Ben Kashur, Benu An Kashur, Mutar. So what you have here is you have two Amoraim trying to explain the position of the Chachamim in our Mishnah, and they parallel it to other Machlokot, where it seems that we have the same structure. Rabbi Yirmiyah says, based on what Rabbi Barachan and Rabbi Yochanan say, that it's parallel to Nagar and Igrar. And in that case, Rabbi Lezer is equivalent to the Tanakhama, and the Chachamim are equivalent to Rabbi Yehuda. And over there you see Rabbi Yehuda has a minimum standard that has to be kashur. On the other hand, Rabbi Ava Barkahana says, no, I'm going to compare it to the bright of Kaneh Shitkinu. In that case, again, the Tanakama parallels Rabbi Eliezer, but then Rabbi Shimon Gamliel parallels the Chachamim. And there Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says, doesn't have to have anything. It could be Munach on the ground, and that's considered to be fine. So that's how we get the two positions of the Chachamim. The Gemara is now going to move on to discussing Rabbi Yochanan's position with regards to this, which is Amr Rabbi Yehuda Bashilat, Amr of Asi, Amr Rabbi Yochanan, 
Halacha ke Rabbi Shimon Gamliel. The halacha is like Rabbi Shimon Gamliel. Now this is interesting from a number of standpoints. Number one, over here it says, Amar Rav Asi, Amar Rabbi Yochanan. Amar Rav Asi, Amar Rabbi Yochanan was in our Gemara yesterday. Rav Asi, Amar Rabbi Yochanan said, by the nidbach avanim, by the pile of the bricks or the stones, he required you not only to just have a machshava, but he says you have to be mishavshef. You have to scrape them off from the tit. So we see that he requires a maiseh. Yet over here, he's saying that the locha is like Rav Shimon Gamliel, who simply requires titkino, that you have in mind that it's done. Tosafot, and we mentioned this yesterday, the top Tosafot on Kuf Kof and Bet. As the Tamayu asks this on Ravasi's position. Ravasi's position seems to be inconsistent. By the stone on top of the barrel, he says, that's considered to be a cover. You don't have to do it. As long as you had in mind to use it, that's good enough to be remove the shame muksa. By the pile of stones, you have to scrape them off. Over here, he says that Pasim Zakrushim Gamliel, that Makshav is enough. So it seems to be an inconsistency in the position of Asi. Tosafot over there wants to reconcile by saying basically there are different levels of muksa. And in order to remove those levels of muksa, you need a different offsetting mindset or action in order to remove the muksa, depending on how muksa it is. And therefore, there'll be different levels that Ravasi will require in each of these situations, depending on the circumstance. That's uh, number one. But now what we have is Rabbi Yochanan Paskin And the Gemara says, Can Rabbi Yochanan really say that it's sufficient with machshava in order to remove the shame muksa? That's not. Don't we have a Mishnah? Mishnah is the upcoming Mishnah that we're about to read a little later on today's daf, which is called Kisuyeya Kelim. All covers of Kelim. Sheyesh lahem beit achiza, that has a handle on it. Nitalim bishabbat. They can be carried on Shabbat. On that Mishnah, we have a qualification by Rabbi Yochanan. Ve'amar Rabbi Yehuda bashila, Amar of Asi, Amar Rabbi Yochanan. Just interesting to note here that in this case, it's Amar Rabbi Yehuda barshila, Amar of Asi. In the previous statement, it was Amar Rabbi Yehuda bashilat, Amar of Asi, Amar Rabbi Yochanan. Just a small change here between Shila and Shilat. That's just interesting. Amar Rabbi Yehuda by Shila, Amar Rabbi Asi, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Behu, Sheesh Torat, Bli Alehen. That's only if they have a shame plea on them. So now we see that Rabbi Yochanan has a higher standard. It's not enough that you have in mind to use the object in order for it to remove the shame muksa. It has to be that it has a shame plea on it. So Rashi claims, what does it mean that it has to have a Torah Kli Alav? That is, that it has to have utility besides what you're trying to use it for. So here, if this connect, if you're trying to use it as a door bolt to open it up or close the door, it will only have a shame Kli if you use it for something else. If you utilize it for something else, then it'll have a shame Kli, and then you can use it as a Poteach Vinoel. In the case of the Kitsuye Kelim, if you utilize it for something besides being a cover, it has utility besides being a cover of a Kali, that gives it a Torah Kli. Then you can use it or utilize it as the cover for the Kli. But what you see clearly from this is that Rabbi Yochanan has a standard that has to be Torah Kli before he removes the Shem Muksa. It's not enough that you have Machshova on it to remove the Shem Muksa. So how could he paskin like Rabbi Shimon Gomliel? So note that the Rabbeinu Tam disagrees with Rashi's definition of what it means to have a Shem Kli on it. He says, not that you have to have an alternative usage for the item in order to make it into a Torah Kli. It's simply you have to, have to have used it for that purpose already. It's not enough that you say, I'm going to use this for a cover. You have to have used it as a cover in order to give it a Torah Kli. So Rabino Tam says, Torah Kli is not like Rashi, that you have to have some sort of outside utility besides covering or besides using it as a bolt. You have to have used it for that purpose. 
And then it gives it a Torah Kli alav. But nevertheless, now we have a stira in the position of Rabbi Yochanan. So now what are you going to suggest? In our case here, by the Kanesh Yitkinu, that also has a Torah Kli alav. Umi, by Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, Torah Kli alav. Then you would be suggesting Rabbi Shimon Gamliel requires Torah Kli, that Machshava is not enough. Atanya. We have a Braita. Again, this is the third time we've seen this Braita in the Masechta. Chariot. Shell dekel, you have these palm branches that you cut them down to use for wood. You changed your mind and now you want to use them for sitting on. How do you change them? So the Tanakhama said, you have to take an action, you have to bundle them, you have to tie them up. You don't have to tie them up. You simply have a machshav on them, you want to use them for a yeshiva, that's enough. So you see, Rabbi Shimon Gamliel's standard is, machshava is enough to remove the shame muksa, you don't need anything more than that. So the Gemara says, now we have a steer in Rabbi Yochan, he's passing like Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says, machshava is enough. Yet he has a statement that he qualifies the upcoming Mishnah by saying that it has to have Torah Gliyalav, which is a higher standard. So the Gemara says, no problem. He agrees on one point, he disagrees on the other point. He agrees that by the bolt, Kaneshit Kino, that you don't need it to be tied and hanging in order for it to be mutar. But he does have a standard that it has to have Torah Kliyalav. So he agrees with Rabbi Shimon Gamliel that you don't need Kashur or Taloi, but he disagrees with Rabbi Shimon Gamliel and says you do need Torah Kliyalav. And that's what it means. He holds like Rabbi Shimon Gamliel on the point that it could be Munach and still be not Muksa. But he disagrees about how it cannot be Muksa. Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says it's enough that you have a Makshav on it. Yochanan has a higher standard and says it needs Torah Kliyalav. Not only just a Makshav, but Torah Kliyalav. Depending how you read that according to Rashi or Tosafot. Darash Rabbi Yitzchok Nafka, Pitko Darash Galuta. Halocha ki Rabbi Eliezer. The locha is like Rabbi Eliezer var Mishnah, that you require kashur vitaloi. Meitiv Ravamram. Ravam says, well, wait a minute, but the Mishnah at the end of our Masechta. There's a Mishnah at the end of the Masechta that discusses a certain event that took place. And it concludes from that, that Midivram Lamadnu. From that, what which we see in the Mishnah, Shepokukim, Umodudim, Vikoshrim Shabbat. That you can plug things, you can measure things, and you can tie things on Shabbat. Now, in terms of Modudim Vikoshrim, Medida is a Sur Midrabanan on Shabbat because it's Uvda Duchol. It's like doing things on a weekday, so you're not allowed to measure things on Shabbat. Kshira, we're talking about Kshirim that are a Sur Midrabanan. Remember, there were three levels of types of knots you can have. There's a knot that's Asur Min Torah, there's a knot that's Mutar, and there's this middle grouping of knots that were Asur Min It happens to be that with knots that are Asur Min there's a dispensation from the Makom Mitzvah, it's Mutar. But Makom Mitzvah, if you need to do a Kesher that's Asur Min that's Mutar. Same thing with Midida. You have to do a measurement that's the Makom Mitzvah, you're allowed to do that Midida on Shabbat. We waive these with the Rabbanan, but Makom Mitzvah. So if you need to measure the Mikveh to make sure it's a Kosher Mikveh, we're going to waive that on Shabbat, because that's Mamakom Mitzvah, so we'll allow Medida, even though it's Asur Midi Rabbanan. And same thing with Kshira. Over there in the Mishnah, they have to test to see whether there was a problem of Tumah. So they want to know if it was a Poteach Tefach. So they had to lower something in there to put it through the hole to see. So they tied a knot around it, a knot that was Asur Midi Rabbanan. That's Mutter again, because it's Mamakom Mitzvah. They need to know if there was Tameh or not Tameh. So that's allowed on Shabbat. As far as Pukkim, over there they plugged a hole with a tfiach. They plugged a hole with a tfiach to prevent Tuma from moving from one area to the other area because it was a klicheres. And the back of the klicheres, the gava klicheres is not mekabal Tuma. Because of that, when they plugged the hole, it prevented the Tuma from moving into one area to the other area. The truth is, this Pukkim, as Tosua points out, is not exactly like the Pukkim here. 
Because there you put a bucket or bowl in there, you're going to take it out afterwards. Versus the bolt, when you put it in the ground, so it's not exactly the same. But he says, nevertheless, it's close enough. But what you see over there is pokekim. And there it's not just b'makom mitzvah. There, you'll have to be pokek on Shabbat, the gamre. So we have a Mishnah later on in the Masechta, which seems to indicate that pokekim is totally fine. So he says... Tell me, why did you pass in like Rabbi Eliezer? So what's your opinion here? Why did you, Rabbi Amram, question the fact that Rabbi Yitzchaknafko passed in like Rabbi Eliezer? Is that because you think later on in the Sechta we have a Mishnah, which is a Stam Mishnah? And that Stam Mishnah says, Pokekim, you're allowed to be Pokek. And that's against Rabbi Eliezer. He says, well, we have another Stam Mishnah. That's Nagar and Igrar. By Nagara Gregar, the Tanakhama's position, which we said was Rabbi Eliezer, is brought down Stam. So that's a Stam Mishnah. So I have a Stam Mishnah versus a Stam Mishnah. Why do you think we should paskin any more like that Stam Mishnah at the end of our Masechta than the Stam Mishnah in Erevin of Nagara Gregar? He says back to them, no, they're not the same. Because, there's a difference between these two Stam Mishnahs. The Stam Mishnah of Nagara Gregar, and the Stam Mishnah at the end of our Masechta. At the end of Masechta, the Stam Mishnah is not just a plain Stam Mishnah. The Stam Mishnah ends with a case. And it tells you a situation in which this halacha was actually exercised. And because of that, that's what's called Maserav. That is, that they acted on the Psaq. So that Mishnah quotes case law, where they actually acted on the Psaq. And that's a big difference. It's one thing to have a Psaq halacha. It's another thing to have people who are acting on the Psaq halacha. If they're acting on the Psaq halacha, it means that they put that into motion. They put that into motion, that carries a lot more weight than simply a Mishnah that states a halacha. So even though we have a Stam Mishnah that seems to go like Rabbi Eliezer, that's Nagar Nigrar, and we have a Stam Mishnah at the end of the Masechah that seems to be like the Chachamim, we're going to opt for that Stam Mishnah at the end of the Masechah because it has Maserav. It has action that was taken by Chachamim, Alpi Depsak Halacha. So that's the question of Rav Amram on that position of Rav Yitzchak Panafa that he's passing like Rabbi Eliezer. Right, this Mishnah which we just quoted before, which is, Kol Kisuyei HaKelim, or Kisuyei HaKelim, Sheishtam Beit HaChizah, Nitalim B'Shabbat. If they have a handle, you're allowed to carry them on Shabbat. Amr Rabbi Yossi B'Med, Devarim Amurim, when is that true? B'Kisuyei Karkaot. That's only when talking about covers for holes in the ground. You have something, a ditch or something that's dug into the ground, and now you want to cover it up. Then that requires a handle in order to deal with it on Shabbat. If you're talking about utensils, it doesn't need a handle. As long as it's a cover for that keli, that's considered to be fine to be used on Shabbat. Now we have this qualification of Rabbi Yochanan that we just saw before. That's only if they have Tarat Kli. Again, the definition of Tarat Kli for Rashi is that... These kisuyim alalu chazul tashmish ma'alma. They have another purpose besides simply covering the kelim. Tosafot again says that's not a case. They just have to have been used as a kisui already in order to have to rat kliyalehem. And once you've done that, then certain things become obvious in the Mishnah. It's obvious if these items have a torat kliyalehem and they have a beit achizah that you can utilize them on Shabbat. Then what's even the question? It's pshita that you could use those items on Shabbat as a torat kliyah, as a beit achizah. Why shouldn't you be able to use that? So because of that, we're going to have to redefine what the Machloket is in the Mishnah to make it something that is questionable in terms of its Torah Kli. And that is, the Kuleyama, Yisuei Karkaot. When you're talking about a cover on the ground, Yeshlem Beit Achizat In, Ilolo. If they have a handle on them, then yes. If they don't have a handle on them, no. 
Now, again, remember, this has a Torah Kli Aleh. They have a Torah Kli, so what's the problem? When you're putting a cover on the ground, it looks like you're bonet. Looks like you're being Mosif Ala Binyan. So if it has a handle on it, it makes it clear that this is a cover and not Binyan. So even though it has Torah Kli, Torah Kli gets rid of the problem of Muksa. How do I get rid of the problem of Mechzeik Binyan? I have a handle on it. Because a handle on it, it's clear that I'm going to open and close this and I'm not making a Binyan here. If it doesn't have a handle on it, then it really looks like I'm doing bonet because I'm going to leave, it looks like I'm going to leave the item there. On the other hand, Yisui Kelim, buy utensils, then if it has Torah Kli on it, then you have a cover for a Kali. It shouldn't matter whether it has a handle or not. What's the problem of it having a handle? It has Torah Kli, it's not Muksa. It doesn't have Muksa, you can cover the Kli with it. Whether it has a handle, it doesn't have a handle. It should be irrelevant. And that's what the Gemara says now. Everybody agrees, by Kisui Kelim, you don't need a handle. So now, where is their Makloket? Their Makloket is, In a case where you submerged a Kali into the ground. So for instance, you took a garbage bin and you placed, dug a hole and you placed the garbage bin into the hole. So now when you cover the garbage bin, it looks like you're also covering the karka. But it's really that you're covering the kli. So that's my cloak of the mission. The Tanakhama says that gets a status like karka. That's like a status of an item that's like a ground hole that you're covering, and therefore requires a betachiza. Therefore it requires a handle on it. On that hand, Rabbi Yossi says that's still a keli. If it's a keli, it does not require a handle. And that's the Machloket in the Mishnah is about this case where it's in between. Case where it's a keli that's submerged into the ground. So do I classify that as a keli? That's what Rabbi Yossi says. Or do I classify that as karka? That's what the Tanakhama says. Igadamri, there's some that say that the Machloket looks like this. Lishnachrina, kiplige, bikisui tanur. Time at a cover of a tanur. Same thing, remember that the tanur, they used to plaster into the ground. They used to seal it into the ground and put layers of plaster on it. So it looks like it's mechubar the karka. It's still a keli, but it feels like karka. So there, when you put a kisui, a cover on it, is there a din of karka? That's what the Tanakhama says, and therefore requires a beit achiza. On the other hand, Rabbi Yossi says, no, it's a keli still, and therefore it doesn't require a beit achiza. It simply requires terat kliyalab, and that's how you get rid of the moksa. And we begin perak mifanim. In perak mifanim, you can clear out. Mifanim afilu arba v'chamesh kapot shel teven v'shel tvuah mipnei arachim. You're allowed to clear out four or five baskets worth of straw or grain in order to make room for guests, make room for the students to come and sit for the shiur. But not the silo. Again, the Gemara is going to come back and discuss this, exactly what this means. Now over here you can remove items that are not muksa. The list of items here are items that are edible to someone on Shabbat. Not to everyone, but to someone. Again, it seems obvious, the list here, that these should not be muksa on Shabbat. The Gemara later on will discuss this which is that we're going to have a list of items here that you did in a subpar manner. You interacted with them in a subpar manner, and nevertheless, it still works, and that's why they're not muksa on Shabbat. There'll be a second list of items that you interacted with in a subpar manner, and there it doesn't work. These lists of items appear in Mishnayot, not only here, but in other Mesechtot. They repeat in many Mishnayot. The Gemara in all those cases says Pshita, and answers the same way, that it was done in a subpar way, and nevertheless, it went through, or separate way, and it doesn't go through, in order to make a chiddish out of what's said in the Mishnah. And that is, Mifanim Chumat You're allowed to remove Chumat because it's edible for the Kohanim. So therefore, you're allowed to remove it. Again, this seems obvious, of course. Chumat why shouldn't you be able to interact with it? With Dmai, Dmai is something that has a safek, whether Chumat Masrog was taken off of it. Dmai is Mutar de Aniim. There's a dispensation of Chavim Gib that Dmai may be eaten by the Aniim. So therefore, it's edible for someone. Maiserisho Shinitla Chumato. My Rishon that had, it's Trumat taken off. Trumat that you have to take off of my Rishon is Trumat Maser. So again here it seems Pshita. What do you mean? Of course. 
He took up Shemot Masoret's with Mutar to use. This is where the Gemara comes in and says you did it in a subpar way, and yet it's still Mutar. He took it up, Bishibolim. The Levi went and jumped the gun. Before Truma Gedola was taken off from it, he went and took his Maiser Rishon. So over there, he only has to take off Trumat Masera, not Truma Gedola. So it was done in a subpar way, but it's still kosher because he's not obligated to take off Truma Gedola in that case. Maiser Sheni Vegdeshenif do. Talking about Maiser Sheni and Egdesh that were redeemed. Now, of course, if they're redeemed, they're chulin. Why shouldn't they be edible? Again, he does it in a subpar way, which is, he does the pijon, but he doesn't add on the chomesh. So he does it in a manner that's not proper, but it still works. Vatormus, ayavesh, and dry lupine, pideshu machal izim or machal aniim. What a different gear sold here. It's edible for goats, or it's edible for the aniim. So it's still classified as a food. Aval, what you cannot move is, lo tevel. Again, tevel is obvious. If it's Tell us that you the Masro taken off of its obvious. You can't take them off on Shabbat. And therefore, it's muksa because it's not edible on Shabbat. So Gemara will deal with what type of Telvo. Then the Telvo de Rabbanan. Veloet Maserishon Shilo Nitla Chumato. Maserishon that doesn't have Shumat Maser removed from it. That's a Chiyub Mita Bidei Shemayim. Of course you can't interact with it. So again here, this is a case where the lady jumped the gun, took his Maser Rishon before Chumagadol was taken off. But here he took it off after Meriach Hakri. After there was a Gemara Malacha for Chumag Dola. Previous case, he took it off Bishibalim, when they were still in the stocks, before it got to be Chayav and Chumag Dola. Here he took it off after it was Chayav and Chumag Dola. So here he's not only Chayav to take off Chumat Maser, but he also has to take off Chumag Dola. And that's why he did it here. He does it in a subpar way, and it doesn't work. Not redeemed. Of course, they're not redeemed. They're Kodesh. If they're Kodesh and not redeemed, then you can't use them. So here again, he did a redemption, but he did a redemption with a coin that doesn't have a tsura on it. And since it have a Turan, it does not work. Velo eta luf, velo eta chardal. Luf, Rashi says, is a type of kitniot, a type of legume. Velo eta chardal, not mustard. matir veluf. He was matir in the case of luf, meneshu machal orvim. Because it's eaten by the ravens. Now, most people don't keep ravens, but there are rich people who do raise ravens, and they eat the luf. So therefore, it does have utilization or purpose on Shabbat. Chavile kash v'chavile etzim. You have bundles of straw, bundles of wood. V'chavile zradim, or bundles of green shoots. Imit kinan l'machal If you intended them for feed for animals, metal dealing with them, then you can carry them because they're not muksa. Fim laf. That's not what you intended for them. Aim it out with them because they are muksa. Now the Gemara asks the obvious question on the first part of the Mishnah, which is Kashta Chamesh Mifanim Arba Mibai. If you can take out five baskets worth, why do you have to tell me you can take out four baskets worth? Now Tosafot earlier in the Masechta pointed out that we have Mishnayot that use numbers seven, eight, four, five. Sometimes the Gemara asks. How come I need four if I already know five? Other times the Gemara ignores it. So suppose it gives a principle that how do you know when the Gemara is going to ask the question? If when the Mishnah says seven, eight, it means seven, eight as an example, it means any number. Seven, eight is just an example of you can use anything. In that case, the Gemara won't ask why I said seven and eight. The one I said seven and eight because seven and eight is just a way to say any amount. But in a case where I say literally seven, eight, and I mean eight is literally, and that's the maximum amount you can use, then the Gemara is going to say, why mention seven if I mentioned eight? So it turns out in our Mishnah, we're going to have two Amorayim explain the Mishnah, and they're going to explain it each in those two different ways. So in one way it will be a question, in one way it won't be a question. So the Gemara here asks, if I know five, why do I need to have four? Amor Chizda, Arba Mechamesh, four out of five. That means if you have five baskets worth of grain there, you can remove four of them, you have to leave the fifth one. You can't take away the fifth one, because then you're going to finish it off. 
When you finish it off, we're afraid of that you're going to be Meshavet Gumot. You take all the straw or all the tzvah out of there, then you're going to go and flatten it out, try to clear out the area, and you're going to end up flattening out the Gumot, which we have a problem of Binyan on Shabbat. So we know now it allows you to remove the last basket there. So if you only have five, you can take four out. If you have a large silo, then you take out a maximum of five. So you can see the alternative here. So here was four from a small silo and five from a big silo. The idea being the same, that five is the maximum. Four is the maximum when you only have five there, teaching you that you can't take out the last basket's worth. You always have to have at least one basket there. Then, what do you do with the statement in the Mishnah of Lomayo va Loet Otsar? You mean not at Otsar. You already explained to me Loet Otsar means you can't finish it off. So Loet Otsar has to mean something else. And that means Shalo Yatchil Botsar Tchila. If you have a silo that's full, you can't open it up for the first time to take grain out of there on Shabbat. Why? Because it's Muksa. A silo is something that you put away for a long duration. You have it out of mind. The Yadayim. So in order to bring it back into your world, you have to have already opened up the silo and used it to take it out of the world of Muxit. So that's the case here. Loba Otsar means you may not start an Otsar, Mani Rabbi Yehudai. The author of the Mishnah is Rabbi Yehudah, the Itlai Muxa, who holds a Muxa, that there is a din of Muxa. So that's the way that Rav Chisla explains our Mishnah. Rav Chisla explains our Mishnah that the four comes to tell you you may not finish off the Otsar, you can't get to the bottom of the Otsar, because we're afraid of Meshav Gumot. The five tells you the maximum amount of Tircha you're allowed to do on Shabbat to remove these items. And Loa Tatsar tells you you can't open up a silo for the first time. That's the way he reads our Mishnah. On the other hand, we have Shmuel. Shmuel says, Abba v'chamesh inche. Four or five is like a colloquialism. Four, five, six, whatever you want to take out. So again, that's what those what says. When you say four or five like that, we don't ask why four or five. Because four or five is just an expression to tell you any amount that you want. So that's exactly what he says. You can take out as much as you want. You can take out any amount you want. So then what is meant in the mission in Kulo. You can't get to the bottom. You take out as much as you want, as long as you don't take out the last basket. As long as you don't take out the last amount of grain at the bottom. Because what are we afraid about? We're afraid that maybe you will, if you finish it off, you're going to be Meshavet Gumot at the bottom. So that's how he explains Loeta Otsar. Not like of Chista, because of Chista already had not finishing off from the bottom from the 4-5. So therefore he explained the Loeta Otsar, not don't start a silo. But over here Shmuel says, 4-5 doesn't teach me anything about the maximum amount. 4-5 is just an example that you can do as much as you want. So what does it mean, Loeta Otsar? Don't finish it off. Don't get to the bottom of the silo, because you'll be Meshavei Gumot. Avalat Chulei Matrio. You want to start a silo on Shabbat? No problem. You want to open up for the first time, you can do that. You know why? Because Mani Rabbi Shimoni Delitle Muksa. The author of our mission is Rabbi Shimon, who doesn't hold a Muksa, doesn't have an issue of Muksa. So in Ochanami, you can start a silo on Shabbat without any problem. He doesn't think there's muksa on Shabbat. So you don't have a problem starting something that is in the silo. And that's the way Rav Chista and Shmuel explain the mission again, just like those two ways that Toswat explained before. One of them is taking four and five to be exact, that five is a cap. And therefore the Gemara has the question, if five is a cap, then why do I need four? Shmuel means four or five is just a colloquialism, a way to express any amount you want. But where the Gemara doesn't ask, then why four, why five? Because four or five just means any amount. And therefore, we don't take them exactly and ask, oh, if you have five, why do you need four? We ignore that completely. Okay, we'll stop over here.